The reading is taken from 2 Timothy, chapter 4, on page 210-211 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favourable or unfavourable. Convince, rebuke and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Chichicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must beware of him for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. 
Greet Priscar and Aquila and the household of Onesphorus. Erasmus remained in Corinth. Trophimus are left ill in Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening, everyone. Lovely to see you. Well done, Julie. Well done. Right, this evening we've got to the end of a four-part series that we've been doing, looking at uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy. Um, A quite remarkable document when you think that this was likely the last was possibly exactly the last thing that he ever wrote um, as he faced execution. But we'll come back to that in a moment. So these really are Paul's final words. So let's just pray before we start. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, as we delve into these last words of Paul, may our hearts and minds and ears be open to hear the voice of your Spirit speaking to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when I was in primary school, there was one day of the year that I absolutely dreaded, sports day. You probably remember it well. And it went something like this. Those who could run were picked for the sprint and the relay. Those who could jump were doing long jump and high jump. Those who could throw and catch were allotted shots and all sorts of things to throw around. And that left a rather bedraggled group of us who were either physically challenged or completely uncoordinated or maybe both. And we had to go in the obstacle race. Now, whoever thought it was a good idea for that particular group of children to be faced with 50 yards of physical obstacles, I have no idea. How any of us have got any self-respect left, I don't know. But that was the reality. You remember the kind of thing. You had to crawl under something and throw things in buckets and run along a beam about that wide. And then you had to sort of carry an egg and spoon with your legs tied together and all this kind of thing. And I can remember from a very an age, maybe about six or seven, uh, firstly, I was mortified by having been part of this bedraggled group. And secondly... Um, I was very determined that if I was going to maintain any self-respect, I needed to finish the race and not come last. So that was always my aim. And, I mean, it wasn't a totally realistic aim because quite a few would be stretched off at some point and never actually get to the finishing line. But that stuck with me. And um, as they say these days, you know, that kind of adversity actually builds character. That's what I like to think anyway. You see, I had one leg longer than the other, so I limped. So I was a little handicapped. But we're going to come back to that, because in the passage we've just read, if you were listening, uh, you would have noticed Paul talks about running a race. 
and how he is now coming to the very end of the race. The race being his Christian life, or his whole life, you could think of, um, and he's nearing the end of it, and we'll come back to that later. So, next slide, please, Chris, thank you. So, very briefly, and don't panic because it's more than three points. They are going to be very brief. Um, We're going to talk about Paul. Um, Paul was an amazing man, and... um, In Old Testament terms, he would have been described as zealous for the Lord. Um, I've called him Paul the Passionate. That tends to be the terminology we would use. Um, And then we're going to look at the content of this last chapter and just picked out three things here that I think are really helpful. Um, He's telling Timothy, preach the gospel, persevere under persecution, And he's telling Timothy it's all going to be worth it. And he talks about his own promised future uh, with eternity, with God in heaven. So that's kind of where we're going. Um, And when we've done that, we're going to think about how we might uh, perhaps apply that to our lives today. And um, then there'll be a song, and then we're going to have a short time of reflection after that. So that's where we're going. So, next one, please, Chris. Thank you. So, Paul the Passionate. Let me tell you the story of an amazing man in 40 words. Next one, please. Thank you. I'm going to start, actually, with a short quote from Tom Wright's book on Paul. If you're fascinated by Paul, this is a wonderful book to read. He is probably the most eminent scholar and expert on the life and ministry of Paul um, of the 20th century and continuing to the 21st. Uh, it's a biography, so it's written in narrative form, uh, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm going to start by just reading a quote, because this summarises um, Paul, what he was like when he was a young lad growing up and the kind of family he was in. We glimpse the little boy, precocious beyond his years, soaking up the stories of his ancestors, reading them for himself, without realising how unusual it was for a small boy to read big books in the first place. There are certain activities, music, maths and chess, for instance, in which quite young people can become prodigies. In Jewish families, studying the Torah can be like that. The young mind and heart can drink it in, in all its drama and rhythms, relishing the ancestral story and promise. The youngster can get to know his way around the five books of Moses, the way he knows the way around his own house. All the signs are that Saul of Tarsus was that kind of child. Can you picture him with his big book, reciting the Hebrew, following it with his little finger and learning it? So he's a passionate student of Torah and um, he studied at the University of Tarsus and then later in Jerusalem under Gamaliel and he became a highly educated rabbi. Um, And then something happened. He went to Jerusalem And he heard about some very disturbing things that had happened. He heard about a man called Jesus, who was a carpenter's son from Nazareth, who had recently been executed, but who had claimed to be God. 
Well, Paul was outraged. How on earth could this man be the Messiah? The Messiah doesn't die. The Messiah comes in great victory and frees them, the Jews from the Romans and gets rid of everybody who is not a follower of him. And so he became a passionate supporter of the persecution of Christians following Stephen's stoning. You remember that's where we first see him as he watches on. And he commits himself to eradicating these followers of the way, as they were called, um, blasphemers to him. And then he has one of the most life-changing, and you could argue world-changing events, an encounter with the living Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And this makes him question everything he has ever known and believed. Jesus of Nazareth, this man who died, is the long-promised Messiah. And this was so startling to Paul, and we often overlook this detail. He actually spent three years, he went into Arabia, into the desert. Uh, Did he go to Mount Sinai, you wonder? That place where the Jews were given the Ten Commandments. And he wrestles with this uh, calling on his life, but also this new information. And um, he really struggles with it. But he does respond to God's call and he repents and commits himself wholeheartedly, passionately, zealously to his new calling, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, particularly to the Gentiles. And so he spends many years traveling around Asia Minor and into Europe, as you know, probably, preaching the gospel, setting up churches in homes and training the leaders. And his passionate proclamation of the gospel gets him into all kinds of trouble along the way. And eventually he is arrested and he requests, because he is a Roman citizen, that he be tried in Rome, where he spends two years under house arrest, but then is released. It seems that there were no witnesses, no evidence was actually brought against him. And so he is free to travel once again, into Macedonia and Crete, and maybe, it's a little unclear, probably as far west as Spain. But then the brutal Emperor Nero comes to power. He deliberately blames the burning of Rome on the Christians, and Paul is once again arrested, imprisoned in a dark dungeon. He is brought before Nero's court, where he is condemned to die. And he is beheaded soon after he wrote these letters to Timothy, around AD 67. So what is the situation as he writes to Timothy? He's in a dungeon awaiting his execution. He is clearly lonely and he is cold. And there's nothing worse, is there? Just adds to the suffering. But yet in the midst of that, he was still so concerned about the churches, fledgling churches, under their young leaders, uh, under persecution of Nero. And so he wants to encourage Timothy in his leadership of the Ephesian church. So what is Paul's message to Timothy in this chapter? Well, he picks out several things. They're all a little bit, it's a bit bitty, 
bits, I would have said. There's a bit of this and a bit of that. But I think there are three broad things we can talk about here. First of all, uh, preaching the gospel. And um, it's interesting, actually, that Paul is a really good spiritual mentor to Timothy. And um, we all need spiritual mentors, actually, and and those in leadership perhaps even more so. Um, And it strikes me that the way Paul did it is a very good model for that, in in three ways. In that you always point to Jesus as a mentor, not to yourself. Um, that you provide practical advice. And as far as is possible, you lead by example. And Paul certainly did those things. So, I'm going to change tack. Have you heard of the red car theory? No? Okay. Right, let me ask you a question. How many red cars did you see on your way to church this evening? Anyone? You might have done, yeah, but you didn't really notice, unless you were sitting in one, of course. Well, Paul knew about the red car theory, because if I said to you, I'll give you £10 for every red car you see on the way home from church tonight, and then I asked you tomorrow morning, how many red cars did you see? You'd know, wouldn't you? You'd have a little tally, and you might even add one or two extra, just for good... See, Paul was very aware of this car theory because he knew that gospel opportunities are a bit like red cars. If you're not looking for them, you might miss them. And they could pass you by. And this was Paul's main message to Timothy in the final part of this letter. Preach the word, he says in verse 2. Be prepared in season and out of season correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And uh, preaching the word is, um, is both something we can do within the church to each other to encourage us in our faith and remind us of our faith as well as to preaching it to a lost world. But there's a real sense of urgency in Paul's last uh, final days and in this last letter. And despite his circumstances, he is still focused on the work of preaching the gospel and making disciples of Jesus whenever and wherever opportunities arose. And Paul is encouraging Timothy to be committed to the same. See, sharing our faith with others is integral to who we are as Christians. How can we talk about anything, really, if you're a Christian, without it just dropping into the conversation? Certainly, if you're having any kind of meaningful conversation with people, um, it tends just to come out in some form or other. And we need to do that because we are God's messengers and, um, and ambassadors, and we are bringers of good news to a broken and suffering world a rebellious and self-serving world and a world which has no hope for the future without God. So the second thing that Paul um, talks to uh, Timothy about and urges him is to persevere under persecution. These are very serious and urgent warnings about not compromising the gospel and standing firm in the face of opposition and persecution. Now, we haven't yet faced much in the way of persecution, really, in this country. 
but I sense there is an increasing opposition to Christianity in our country, and we do need to stand firm in our faith. And there is both a personal response to that and a public response. The personal response is to put on the armour of God every day to provide us with protection and to provide us with the sword of the Spirit, which is his word. And there is also a public response. Wherever we may find ourselves, whether it's in a workplace, in our community, in in a school, wherever it is we may find ourselves, there are going to be times when we need to step up and speak out, where our Christian heritage and ethics are being eroded and dismissed and trivialised or openly opposed. We need to pray for one another and we need to keep close to Jesus in prayer and worship and Bible study and fellowship. So it's clear that in this final letter, Paul's faith in God has not weakened. If anything, it has got stronger as time has gone by. There's a great deal of emotion in his words. He's a passionate man, zealous for God, as he has been all his life, totally committed to sharing the good news of Jesus with the Gentiles. And he is as strong in that calling as he ever has been. What an inspiration to us. And part of the reason he is so strong, thank you, Chris, next one, is because Paul is sure of his promised and eternal future. He is completely assured of what lies lies ahead of him. And he is not afraid. A glorious future in eternity with God. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So that's for Timothy, and it's for you, and it's for me. This is our future too. It's a future for all who repent and believe in Jesus and follow him and stand strong and speak out for him. And this is our message of hope to the world. God created you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you through Jesus, and he wants to spend eternity with you. This is our message of hope to the world. Next one, Chris, thanks. And so we come to the very last words from Paul's pen. Verse 22. He says, The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Amen. David Guzik in his commentary says this, These words reflect a man who simply loved Jesus and has received his grace. This simplicity and all the power that went with it marked the entire ministry of Paul. He had fulfilled his ministry and was ready to receive his reward and he wanted the same for Timothy. So let's just have a think for a few minutes about how, that this, how we might respond to these last words of Paul. 
There are lots of ways in which we could, and I'm just going to suggest a few. There may be other things that you will hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to you about. But we do need to tell people the good news of Jesus without compromise, because they have no hope without it. We need to pray for opportunities to tell someone. Pray for red cars. Pray for opportunities to say to someone, I'm a Christian and I know that God loves you. I'm a Christian and I know that God wants you to have his peace. Loads of very simple things we can say to people. Can I pray for you? I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? And we need to preach the gospel wherever we're given an opportunity. St. Francis of Assisi said, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. We also need to strengthen our faith by reading, studying, praying, discussing, following the right people on social media. That's a big one today. People who will support our discipleship and inspire us to step out in faith as faithful followers of Jesus. We need to stand strong in our faith every day, putting on the armour of God. And we need to pray for one another where we are under attack, where we are struggling. And we also need to keep away from those who would seek to undermine our faith and draw us away from God. And to go back to the beginning, we all need to run, walk, stumble the race that God has set before us with compassion and zeal and commitment and passion. I'm going to finish by just uh, showing you a very short, so don't blink or else you'll miss it. Um, it's a one-minute sermon from J. John, who's a fabulous Bible teacher. And he's talking about, um, like Paul left an amazing legacy behind, he's talking about our legacy. So just have a look at this. One minute sermon, our legacy. Our legacy is what lives on beyond us. Legacy is not leaving something for people, it's leaving something in people. What we leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven in the lives of others. Our fingerprints don't fade from the lives we touch. Live the way you want to be remembered. Let's think about our legacy because we are writing it every day. St. Paul in the Bible wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Amen. Amen. I wish I could do one-minute sermons. I'm so sorry, I just can't. <laughs> uh, we're just going to have a little time uh, of quiet now, and we're going to sing. Kevin and Claire are going to lead us in a beautiful song, Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. Um, actually, just looking forward, we're, the, we're going to sing a hymn right at the end of the service, There is a Redeemer. And um, as I was just reading through the words, I just thought, gosh... Uh, where it says, When I stand in glory, I will see his face, 
and there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. I just thought those words reflect Paul's conviction at the end of his earthly life. But for now, uh, we're going to sing Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God, and then we're just going to have a, a few minutes of reflection, which I'll guide you in. Thank you, Kevin. have a few minutes of reflection and quiet now and um, there's going to be some prompts that come up just to help you think um, just to think about your own life the things that you're dealing with at the moment and um, the first um, thought is that maybe you would like to think about the people that you're going to spend time with over the coming week 
and you need to pray for some red car opportunities um, that you'll be able to in some way um, share the love of God with them. Uh, Secondly, um, maybe you feel that you wish your faith could be stronger. You look at someone like Paul and you just think, oh, I could never be like that. Um, And it's true, he was a unique one-off. There's no doubt about that. But we all have our own race to run, don't we? And so maybe you feel you'd like to find some ways, uh, or people, or whatever, to try and strengthen your own faith. And, um, and also, perhaps, to be more careful about what you are allowing to influence you. Maybe there's something there that the Lord is speaking to you about. Um, and thirdly, maybe you feel it would be good to ask the Holy Spirit to ignite in you and reignite in you a greater passion for him, for his gospel, for his word, and for your service with him. So I'm just going to pray a short uh, prayer and then we're going to have a few minutes of quiet. They're going to put some music on. Um, If there's something that comes to mind that you feel is important or whatever, there are some pens and pieces of paper on the font if there's something you want to jot down. Uh, Maybe write down some of who are the people you're going to be seeing over the coming days and pray for them. Um, And then after that, um, I'll finish with a prayer and then we'll have our prayers of intercession. So, Father God, we pray for your spirit to come as we reflect on these things. May we listen for your voice and respond in wholehearted obedience and commitment. Amen.
If you'd like to take some more time to think and pray, then uh, please take the opportunity, if you want to sit over here at the end of the service, it's nice and quiet. Or if there's something specific that you would like prayer for, um, then the wholeness team will be down here at the front on the right, and they'll be very happy to pray with you after the service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life and ministry of Paul. May we be inspired to run our own race with passion and commitment. Strengthen our faith and prompt us to action as we listen for your voice, daily looking to Jesus, putting on our spiritual armour and asking for the filling of your Holy Spirit. We praise these things in Jesus' name. Amen.